Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. EW.com has a first look at Lucy Lane. Makad Brooks talks about his Superwatch. And we discuss Far From Home. This, this is Supergirl, Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And my name is Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Justice League Unlimited episode called Far From Home with our special guest, Bob Fisher, who is the host of Superman Forever Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Bob. Well, thank you, Rebecca. It's terrific to be here. And hi, Teresa. I am (laughs) thrilled to be here. That we're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much. <laughs> but before we get to our in-depth discussion of Far From Home, we have... The news. Entertainment Weekly released a first look at Jenna Dwan Tatum as Lucy Lane. In the EW.com article, Ali Adler gave us a bit more information on Lucy, saying, quote... We hope to explore the history that Lucy has with James Olsen, or as Lucy knows him, Jimmy Olsen. (laughs) Um, She not only plays a romantic foil with whatever Kara and James are brewing, but people will also be surprised that she's really a woman's woman. She and Kara develop their own friendship, too. We're just not bringing her in to purposely create tension. She serves a larger story drive, end quote. I'm actually really happy about that, uh, that it's not going to be just fodder for a love triangle, that, you know, hopefully she will be an in-depth character that uh, will have a relationship with Kara because, you know, we, we know that uh, she gets she certainly gets more than that in the comics. That's for sure. Yeah. And I'm curious is what is the larger story that she's going to be a part of if, mm-hmm. she, if she's not doing just a love triangle, which I agree, Teresa. I'm, I'm glad that she's not just brought in to create the tension like uh, Allie was saying. So I'm curious about that larger story because you could do a whole lot of different things. I think we kind of are leaning towards that. We want to see Superwoman <laughs> on the show. I want Superwoman. <laughs> um, but you could also just play the, the stuff with the lanes and how that affects the DEO and all of that kind of thing. So you could, you could do all sorts of stuff and Lucy could play a part into Kara's connection to Superman and all that, all of that kind of thing. So I like how she's being described and I also in the picture that they put out I was I latched onto the fact that she was wearing purple because in the comics and like Superman the animated series Lois wears a lot of purple so I thought that was really interesting and um Makad Brooks and I know we're going to get to it in a second where he had an interview where he talked about some of his gadgets that James is going to be having on the show but he looks like he's wearing a watch Um, so that, I don't know if that's, uh, the signal watch that, um, he sometimes uses with Superman. Uh, so, and I also, when I was looking at this picture, 
I kind of connected to the fact that James wears a lot of ties, <laughs> which I thought that was a pretty modern take on the Jimmy Olsen bow tie. So I, I'm, I'm now starting to wonder if that's what we're going to see with how James is dressed. Like maybe he's not wearing a lot of dress jackets and things like that, but maybe he, he has that signature kind of shirt with the, the, the tie. So I like the modern look for him. Well, that's how he transitioned from Jimmy Olsen to James the Grown Man Olsen. Yes, he's is more by mature. changing ties. Yes, uh, that's what I would like to think. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about Lucy. And I did have a question, though, because it's not in the, like, character breakdowns or anything, where it mostly talks about her relationship to James. But I was wondering how, like, would Kara know about the lanes? Like, she definitely has a connection to Superman, but I don't know how much of their relationship is there. Like, does she talk to her cousin? Does she know about her cousin's girlfriend, wife? How are, you know, how are they going to play Lois? Um, would she know about the Lane family? So I, I was just kind of wondering about their, I don't know if this is going to be Kara's first interaction with a member of the Lane family. So I, I have a lot of questions about how they're going to play that. I think it's going to be interesting to see how all of that unfolds, their, her connection to the Kents and to Superman himself. I hope they don't make Superman, you know, a big deal in the show that he's like they've done so far. Where we've seen in the in the ads where he's kind of a silhouette or he's just a hand holding mm -hmm. or, you know, I think if they put too much emphasis on Superman, they're going to miss the whole point of how great a character Supergirl is in her own right. So I'm looking forward to how they handle all of that. And I hope they wait until the second season for Superwoman. But, <laughs> but, but all yeah. of it, you know. That, that'll just, be, it'll be a slow burn, I think. A slow burn. That's exactly good. I think so. I hope so anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, CBS officially released the plot synopsis for the Supergirl pilot. And it reads... Quote, after 12 years of keeping her powers a secret on Earth, Kara Zor-El, Superman's cousin, decides to finally embrace her superhuman abilities and be the hero she was always meant to be, unquote. So not really a whole lot new there, but that's kind of exciting in a way uh, because it's, it's kind of starting that thing that's going to regularly happen with these episodes, that we're going to get plot synopses for each episode. So that's exciting to me that like, oh, this is happening. There is a show yeah. coming on <laughs> and there are episodes that will be put out and we will get these on the regular. So even though there's not a whole lot new there to kind of dig through and stuff that we kind of already figured, but that's exciting to know that CBS is going to be putting these out. Definitely. And uh, getting back to Makad Brooks, um, he actually spoke with uh, KryptonSite.com recently about his version of James Olsen. When asked about his gadgets, like the Superman signal watch that you mentioned, Makad confirmed that he will have the Superman watch and that it's the first gadget that they'll introduce on the show. And he also mentioned that Lucy Lane will not just be James's ex-girlfriend, but his ex-fiance. Dun-dun-dun! So um <laughs> that's a big difference in my yeah. opinion. That is he, he, he really is a grown man. He's already like been done with his first, you know, engagement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he apparently at one point wanted to settle down. So he seems to have, you know, uh ideas about what he wants his future to look like. So I'm curious now as to why that didn't happen. Why did that not go uh through all the way to a marriage ceremony? 
So uh, that definitely puts a different take on their relationship. And um, Bob, I was curious, what are your thoughts about the Superman signal watch? I am thrilled that James Olsen will have a Z, Z, Z watch. <laughs> In the comics, there's always Z, Z, all these little Zs. But I am thrilled. I think probably what they'll do is make some sort of um, adjustment. He will, I bet as part of the plot, I'm making this up, of course, but I think as part of the storyline of him having a watch, it will somehow change its frequency so that uh, Supergirl will hear it and not Superman. So he'll know the difference of when he's calling one or the other. Uh-huh. I, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Superman in the show. And I'm, I'm really, really fine with that. So I think that's what they're going to do is the watch, uh, just like, you know, other things we've already seen. And even in just some of the little trailers, uh, I, I'm thrilled with the watch that he's going to actually have a signal watch, but I think they'll change the frequency or make some, something in the plot that makes it more a Supergirl signal watch than a Superman signal watch. Oh, yeah. I definitely think he will use it to contact her. But I like your idea that he'll have a a different tone or a different frequency or something to separate between Superman and Supergirl. I think that would actually be a necessity for for the watch. So that's a great point. It would be kind of funny if both of them show up all the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Superman just I, says, eh, come on, let's me. do something about yeah, let's <laughs> let's do something about this. Well, and I like that they have um that they are going to have uh callbacks to the comics in this way and that um one of the things I love about the the TV universe for DC as it's being built, especially with shows like The Flash, is that they're not afraid of the comic booky elements. Right. Um even as they modernize it and kind of make it more grounded in reality for for television, that they still have those nods. Uh so, you know, it's not going to be completely divorced from the original source material, which I really like. Exactly. I'm thrilled about that, that they are not afraid of the comic book and that they actually even made jokes about it. So I, I just think it's terrific that they are finally, at least in one area of D.C. anyway, they are yeah. saying, <laughs> yeah, they're saying, hey, you know, there was some really good, fun stuff back in the day. And, uh, you know, we're going to include it in our great new CBS show. I'm thrilled yeah. with it. I am. I cannot wait for this show. I know. And and Rebecca and I have talked about that. You know, they seem to have really done their homework on this too. Yes. Because um, Ali Adler has come out and, and said a bunch of stuff about what's what's coming, and we're like, well, she's really you know been doing a lot of reading. She's you know they've <laughs> she's all been really embracing that. Yeah. Kryptonese, exactly. So, exactly. Uh, and including you know, and including the Danvers. Uh, this yep. is just this is just terrific. Yeah. I mean, every little thing I see them hinting and bringing out in the show, I just, uh, you know, I get a little giddy myself. I, ooh, yeah. this is going to be fun. <laughs> well, this is the place for Squee. Oh, um, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we still have a ways to wait before uh, Supergirl premieres, um, mm-hmm. for right now, we're going to get into our discussion about uh, Justice League Unlimited and the episode Far From Home, which is the 36th episode of Justice League Unlimited. And it first aired on April 15th, 2006. Um this is a really interesting episode, uh, you know, involving some time travel <laughs> and uh, some some crushing and uh, some first loves and uh, lots of other cool stuff. Um, so let's open it up talking about uh, Supergirl's final mission and her her kind of you know final appearance 
as Supergirl in, you know, with the Justice League. Um, let's start with our guests. What did you think uh, about the um, final mission with Green Lantern and Green Arrow? Well, first of all, I love the whole series of Justice League Unlimited. I, it, it, as an old guy myself and reading comics literally since 1956, I have been reading – I learned to read in comic books. That's awesome. And, yeah. But um, I love the Justice League and I love that Justice League Unlimited, what they've done. They've used, I think, the best – parts of many of their generations. There is so much Silver Age goodness in this Justice League Unlimited TV show and how they got so many characters, even in like the last battle scene here, so mm-hmm. many Legion characters. Uh, so I, I love the, the series itself. And then we get to this where um, I'm glad they updated uh, Kara's costume, even though I'm not a big fan of the bear midriff. Um, (laughs) It got really close to being a good costume. (laughs) I had to stick with that bear midriff. (laughs) So, uh, but her relationship, and I like the idea that it's Green Lantern and Green Arrow together. All Uh, green heroes. The Green Heroes. I love those two characters. Uh, I think the animation creeps me out a little bit with their eyes with no pupils. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I wish, you know, if they're going to give you light blue eyes, which are fine, put a little dot in the middle or something. It's a little (laughs) creepy. But, but, uh, oh, I love the relationship she had with uh, Green Arrow and Green Lantern. Um, They threw a few things in, I think, that are a little juvenile. But uh, we'll get to that when they get into the battle scene. But as far as Green Lantern and Green Arrow being her kind of teachers in that uh, holodeck is all that's coming to my mind. It's not a holodeck. (laughs) Uh, I think they call it the hologram chamber. Oh, the hologram chamber. But uh, I loved that. I think it was a nice opening. And I love the fact when Green – when she was afterwards saying – you know, okay, what did I do wrong? Give me my notes. And he just put his hand on her shoulder and said, no notes. You're there. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. Happy birthday. So, uh, no, I love that. I thought it was a great, great opening to this. Yeah. I love that in Kara, she's called Kara in the series, uh, that Kara considers this a workout. She's like, bring it on. Give me all you got. And right. I think it's cool that they they do. <laughs> they're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah. If, if you want us to give you some stuff, so they throw a lot of stuff at her. And I enjoyed this because I was not familiar with characters like Queen Bee and Doctor Cyber. Oh right. So that was yeah. educational for me. And I really love, I know we've talked about Green Arrow and Supergirl on this series before. Um, I do love their relationship because I think their relationship kind uh, is sort of. Uh, opposed to Green Lantern and Supergirl's relationship a little bit in my mind. Like Green Lantern is like her mentor and her trainer and kind of more of a disciplinarian. And mm-hmm. and Green Arrow, I think, is like her pal, her buddy. Yeah, somebody, he's more her friend. Yeah, yeah. So, somebody who kind of talks her through some things. And I love the mention of how like it's Supergirl's 21st birthday and Black Canary and Green Arrow were going to take her out. And I was like, why didn't they show that? I would love to see what they do when they go out and hang out together. Yeah, would they wear their costumes? Would they go as just, you know, in their secret identities out on the town? Yeah, I agree with you. (laughs) When they said that, I thought, oh, there's a show in itself. That would be so fun to see. So I like that Kara has these mentors in her life that 
they're not necessarily just Superman because Superman's a whole different relationship. A uh, whole right? different one. But, but these two are um, different aspects that kind of complement each other to help her in her hero journey. And, and like you said, Bob, like I love that, you know, her training has been completed. So she's, she's ready to go out on her own. And so I, I think it's cool to, to see that through their eyes. Yeah. And speaking of Superman, like I really like that they mentioned that she changed her costume to look like him, um, that she's proud to wear that because um, mm-hmm. it shows that like, yeah, because uh, she's built up these relationships with everybody in the Justice League. But that um, her relationship with Clark, it's so deep and yeah. it's so like she doesn't have to say anything about it in order to show how much she cares about him. It's it's these little kind of quiet gestures that that show how much she respects him and how much she loves him and i thought that was a really nice touch um and and the fact that she didn't even say anything about it that it was somebody else commenting on the fact that you know she did this because she's so proud to be superman's cousin and i have to say i loved watching her in that training segment too because like the fact that she like basically used one criminal to throw them at the other criminal <laughs> to like knock them down like mm-hmm. like it, it's just these amazing little um and, you know, obviously there has to be a certain level of violence, but it's clear that she has learned how to, you know, use her environment, use what's around her to not um, to not be lethal about fighting crime, to to kind of eliminate the problems with the least amount of of force and damage like she and and she makes a lot of smart choices. And you kind of yeah. see that, that segment. And it was really cool. Agreed. And then, you know, so obviously she and uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow are taken from their current timeline to a thousand years into the future <laughs> um, because Brainiac 5 is having a little problem. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, there's the stipulation that, you know, he knows that he has to bring them uh, to the future to help them uh, fight the Fatal Five. Um, who have kidnapped all of the, um, and I always forget their name. What's the name of the organization in the future? The Legion the, of Superheroes. Uh, Legion of Superheroes. Legion of Superheroes, yes. So the Legion of Superheroes have been uh, trapped by the Fatal Five, and so they need these three heroes to help them, but they know from history books that Supergirl, quote, doesn't make it back to her time, which, you know, and he and so Brainiac Five brings them, you know, to their timeline, and kind of leaves that out. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't mention that Supergirl's not destined to come back from this. Um, so that was interesting. What did you think about that whole uh, the relationship that started between Kara and Brainiac, and that whole situation of, of those three being brought to the future? Yeah, that was very clever. I thought, uh, as far as how they were treating us, the viewer, giving us information, but not all the details. And even mentioning that the historical records shows she doesn't go back, but that they assumed by that that she dies. Right. And, and I think that was really very clever. And I love that they used the, the, the Fatal Five um, as the villain this time for this Legion story. Uh, Legion, are, it, they're great. The Legion of Superheroes is just a great, great organization. And talk about your sci-fi imagination as a little <laughs> kid. Uh, these, the Fatal Five is right out of the Silver Age as well, 1960-something or other. I forgot, but that's when they were invented to fight. And they're one of my favorite Legion, because, or Legion villains because they've got 
they've broken up the four or five aspects of villainy that you need. You need some brains, you need some brawn, you need some magic to get over Supergirl and Superman, Mm -hmm. and you kind of need somebody who is kind of, who looks good and kind of controls things and handles things. So uh, I, I love The Fatal Five. I think this was a really good choice because those of us who've been reading long enough know that The Fatal Five have always been a serious threat to the Legion of Superheroes. Even though there's 20 or 30 Legion of Superheroes with individual powers, these five people or villains have always given the Legion a really, really tough time. And I thought they handled them really well here. I was not very familiar with the Fatal Five. So my question to you, Bob, I don't know if you can answer this, but is it always the same five? Is it yes. is it's always Emerald, Empress, Mano, Persuader, <laughs> Tharok, yeah. and Validus, I think is Yes. The, very the good. Well, I um, I, che- I cheated a little bit using the, the DCU uh, DCAU wiki, um, which Yay. is a great, great resource. Hey, Yay resources for the wiki. help. Hey, sometimes sometimes you need the internet for Absolutely. things for things you Most don't know. Most of the time. Most and, of the time in my age nowadays, that's yeah. first place I go, go to wiki. Yeah, and hopefully that wiki is correct and accurate. Right. You can't always right. you can't always right. trust it, trust it. Right. Now sometimes the Fatal Five will work with other villains, but as a group, when you hear the Fatal Five, those are the five guys. Those are those are the well, the four guys and the lady. Right. Uh Emerald Empress. I loved her eye. The eye used to creep me out as a little kid when I was reading these <laughs> things. Just the thought of a powerful flying eye that shoots out stuff and beams. <laughs> it was just always creepy to me as a little kid. And I thought they handled the five of them really well in this particular uh, story. They're pretty vicious. Like they give Green Lantern and Green Arrow and Supergirl, you know, a lot of trouble. And I liked their use of the mind control. And I thought it was really smart that they kind of targeted Green Lantern because he was, in I guess in their opinion, that he was the more powerful of them because of his ring. And so I thought that was a really kind of smart strategy for them. So I I thought they were um, good villains in this episode. That was one thing that kind of took me aback, as they say. I'm going to have to look, you know, go back in my own, you know, research because one of the things that uh, I think it was – Uh, The Empress had said is that I got the most powerful of them. I got Green Lantern and seeing one in this time period is rare. So are they saying that in the far future, the whole Lantern Corps, Green Lantern, all of the stuff that we know of the Green Lantern and how powerful they are and the planet Oa and all of that stuff somehow disappears or goes away or is not around as much in the 31st century. I thought that was an interesting thing that I wanted to go and think, wait a minute. Hmm. Because I thought there were stories and I'm mixing, you know, comic books with all other things too. But I thought there were stories where Superman and Green Lantern, of course, Hal Jordan Green Lantern, go into the future and have future uh, escapades, adventures with the future Green Lantern Corps. But I may be misremembering that or, you know. I didn't, read a lot of comics, so. Yeah, I didn't catch that, but that's a really interesting thought because there are a lot of Green Lanterns. A lot. So, so for them not to really be around in the future, that does raise the question of, well, what happens to them? What happens? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, that's an interesting thought. 
Totally. I, yeah, no, I, I did notice that. And I was like, I wondered if they had covered it previously on, on JLU or if that had ever been mentioned on the show before. Or um, That was the first I had heard of it. Yeah, not to my mm. recollection, but somebody out there listening might know. Mm. Yeah, hopefully, but, you know, definitely comment. <laughs> um, but I was going to mention, too, the because uh, we've read about them in the uh, the trades we've read up until now, the um, the League of Heroes, and I really love them. Like, the, the fact that we have this future Justice League that has, you know, I really like just their, 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 the whole, like, ethos behind them and the fact that they um, – that they all work together so well and that they all kind of have evolved um, beyond what the Justice League even does. And uh, I kind of almost wish that there, and I don't know if, if anything like this exists and maybe Bob, you can speak to this. Um, I don't know if there's ever been a title like a, just set in that future time, um, yes. just about that league. Uh, yes. If you have any recommendations, cause I would love to read more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Actually, up until 1986, when uh, DC did the big John Byrne reboot, they got rid of the Justice League for a time. I mean, the, the Legion of Superheroes for a time. Because in the Silver Age, with the creation of the Legion, the Legion created themselves because they were inspired by the teenage Superman. Right. By his escapades as Superboy. Well, when they rebooted in 1986, John Byrne said, Superboy is stupid. <laughs> and they didn't really think all of it through. When you get rid of Superboy, you got rid of the motivation for the right. Legion. And then they had to rethink, and it took about five or six years before we started seeing little things creep back into the DC universe because they realized they really wanted Superman in 1986 to be, quote, the last son of Krypton. So they got rid of the bottle city of Kandor. They got rid of Superboy. They got rid of Supergirl. They got rid of all these things that I grew up with and loved. But then they started realizing, oh, wait, uh, the Legion was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So they had to give them a different reason for existing because Superboy no longer existed. And how do you have Supergirl in it if she no longer exists? Yeah. So they had to rethink all of that. But uh, there are trades. There are a lot of good stories. Uh, because, in fact, the Superboy title prior to the reboot in uh, probably the Bronze Age, late 60s, early 70s, the Superboy title itself changed to becoming not just Superboy, The Adventures of Superman when he was a boy, but Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. So the Legion actually took over the Superboy title. It had used to be just a back feature in adventure comics. You'd have a Superboy story for the first story, and then the back story... In those days, uh, one comic actually had two or three complete stories in it. And the backstory, the last 8 to 10, 12 pages backup story, would be a Legion story with or without Superboy. He was Sometimes he'd fly to the future and be part of it. Other times it would just be a story about the Legion. Uh, oh, I highly recommend. There are a lot of trades from that time. They do exist. Oh, nice. uh, and there are so also archives that are really expensive, hardbound stuff. But uh, Paul Levitz, who uh, even wrote the uh, Legion stories in the New 52, uh, mm. did a lot of the writing in those old stories. And, boy, I just love those. Yeah, you should look those up uh, because, yes, the Legion has been around since the 50s. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and, really and worth it's it. 
really cool. And I, um, you know, as you know, we've, we've, uh, both of us, Rebecca and I have been learning, you know, so much about the, uh, the DC universe as we go, uh, doing this podcast. So it's cool to, to kind of pick out even, you know, stuff beyond Supergirl that we want to read. Um, Absolutely. I feel like we're both learning so much from this. Oh, totally. Um, but now I want to get into the most fun part about this episode for me, which was the Brainiac Supergirl hookup. Um, because and 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 special shout out to Green Arrow, the king of subtlety. Um, <laughs> Going to be here a long time, just the two of you, all alone in this dark room here with nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Subtle I'm like a hammer. Real slick. I know. Oh my god. I, I love that. And see that that goes back to what Rebecca was saying about, you know, him being her friend. Like, you know, Green Lantern would not have set her up like that. Green Lantern no. would, not, would no. not be her wingman. Like No, no not at all. <laughs> and I love that. But I also loved that um the way that they were introduced to each other and the way you kind of see them both kind of gradually be like, hey, hot younger person. You know, he's really smart. She's really strong and brave. Like, and you see it kind of starting to happen, but then like neither one of them really realizes that it's happening until other people mm-hmm. tell them. Um, but then I also love how Kara is so flirtatious, like right off the bat. Like right off the bat. And and you know, she catches Brainiac and says, I would, might have just been trying to cop a feel. Um <laughs> And uh, but what did you guys think about their uh, their relationship and how that went down? What would have you thought had Brainiac caught her and said that? Yeah, that yeah. would have been less. That would have been more creepy. Mm-hmm. That would have been more creepy. Yeah. Yes. But it was um, kind of cute when she did it. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, and it, yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of like. Ooh, ow. I just hit my, <laughs> my knee on my desk. Oh, no. um, ow. <laughs> and I am not Supergirl, so that hurt. Um, that didn't, hurt. That didn't tickle. That hurt. No, um, that hurt me. <laughs> but um, no, that I, there's a lot that goes into that as far as like, you know, just patriarchy and, and why, right. you know, it, that right. stuff. But like, but it was cute when she did it. And, and it was clear that... Um, you know, uh, they did respect each other. Like there, there was never a point when, you know, because uh, like from the second they got there, um, like she knows how smart he is. He knows how strong she is. And I love that they kind of, it, you know, even when he's trying to stop her from from dying because he's afraid that that's what's going to happen. Right. Um, he, it's because he loves her and is worried about her. Not that she can't handle herself. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. and I, I just love their, I love their relationship. I thought the um, interesting thing was as soon as they got out of the bubble, when he, when Brainiac five was trying to say, let them know what was going on, he was just before he could get his name out. Hi, I am. And she said, Brainiac and <laughs> yeah. attacked him. Yeah. Because she knows what Brainiac really is. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, not knowing that Brainiac had descendants of an organic type. So I loved that that little instant recognition of Brainiac. Brainiacs are evil. I'm going to crush you. Yes. But then it was kind of like, you know, Green Arrow said, whoa, Sparky, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk to the guy for a few seconds here. Like this is a thousand years in the future. We don't know right. what's happened. <laughs> right. And then her first words about him were, well, look, just because he's really cute doesn't mean blah, blah. 
whoa, okay. <laughs> like, like, did you notice that while you were punching him in the face? Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But no, I thought that was a great opening little uh, sequence there, and it really showed her character too. I think a lot. Oh, totally. She's she's not afraid of her emotions and her feelings, whereas Brainiac 5 is more ruled by intellect, and he doesn't kind of let his emotions guide him. Right. And Actually I, took Green Arrow to, to prove to Brainiac and tell, hey, you know, uh, all those little symptoms you have there. Yeah, yeah. the increased yeah. sweat gland production, the shortness of breath, the inability to concentrate. Like, he has to, like... <laughs> Get, get it out there scientifically what's what's going on with him right god yeah no and i uh <laughs> one of my favorite moments like I, I i laughed out loud for a good minute um at the end of the episode when you know everything happens and you know they're telling superman that she has stayed behind and they give her the message give him the message that that supergirl leaves for her for him you know explaining why she stayed in the 31st century and that she um met this boy and so superman is like so tell me about this boy that she met and they're like um Um. yeah he's like (laughs) does he have a name so like how do do you tell superman that she stayed behind with brainiac um yeah that's a tough one I was like, wow. And, and and they would try to explain this. And as he's pummeling them with his fists for right. letting her stay there, <laughs> they would have to be like, no, but it's Brainiac 5. It's totally different. Yeah, yeah it's I, a good Brainiac. I love that they look at each other like, you're going to tell him. I'm not yeah. going to tell him. It's, it's not going to be me. I'm not going to tell him. You're going to tell him. And didn't they do that really well with the animation? I, I, th- mean, I thought so. You could. There you wasn't could a word it. spoken in that last five, ten seconds when Superman just simply says, so about this boy, does he have a name? Yes. And the two of them look at each other and you just, I, I laughed out loud, uh, yeah. which I needed because um, as soon as he gave her, as soon as uh, uh, Green, I think it was Green Lantern gave uh, Superman the little Kara hologram thing. Mm-hmm. The first words out of her mouth were, tell Ma and Pa I love them. I thought, oh my God. Oh, I got a little choked up. Oh. I got a little choked up because she, when she tells Superman that she loves him, she calls him Clark. Clark. And, yeah. and I, I've noticed over watching a lot of the, the animated stuff and the connective tissue between the, the DC animated universe that Supergirl normally when she's talking to Superman as, you know, someone that she loves, she mm-hmm. calls him Clark. She doesn't call yeah. him Superman. She doesn't call him Kal-El. She calls him Clark. And so I, that, that moment to me was like, ah, oh, that's tearing my heartstrings. So, yeah, it, it was pretty emotional. I thought so, too, and I thought it was just really sweet. And, you know, it still amazes me that somebody, you know, it shows how deeply involved I am in the characters. Uh, I've read all this stuff. I've seen this stuff so many times. And yet here comes the little scene, and all it takes is three little words from a cartoon character, and I get this little (laughs) lump in my throat. Oh, isn't that sweet? No, it just goes to show how valuable, like, these stories are and that they can be told and retold by different people and still have the same emotional impact. Like, that's how good they are. Exactly. Because like I was mentioning to you earlier uh, about the Silver Age Kara, the original from Action 252 up into the 60s and 70s, um, she does eventually go into the future, become part of the Legion of Superheroes, and has a relationship with Brainiac 5. This is directly out of the late 60s comic books. 
Mm-hmm. So this was not something that they created new, but they embellished it really well and added, you know, a nice modern take on it. Uh, a little, you know, a little, I don't know what the word is, a little corny, a little campy, you know, but all in all, really sweet. And I thought handled really well. And to finish it with a nice little joke. Yes. Of, yeah. So who is this boy? Uh, I, I was thrilled with this episode and all the way through. Yeah. No, and I and honestly, I really loved that she made the choice to stay. I thought it was really like kind of poignant that, you know, it's her 21st birthday. It's kind of like she's the most adult she can be. She can vote. Right. She can drink. She can, you know, <laughs> right. all of that stuff. And and so it, it really is a growing up episode for her. And the Absolutely. fact that she finally, after so much kind of fighting and looking to belong and, and, you know, growing up and figuring out her powers and figuring out her place in the world, that she finally finds someone to love and that she finds a place where she feels like she fits in. I, I, I was like, that's what made me tear up, is that she well, finally... see, to me, again, that, that's a good point, Teresa. That's as much as they're showing us that, yes, she found a, quote, boyfriend, mm-hmm. she actually found a place where she can fit in, in the yeah. future of Earth, which is going to be more like the Krypton that she basically left last year, unlike yeah. Superman, who grew up here. She's only been on Earth at the most two or three years by this point. So she grew up on Krypton. So it's a whole different set. And I love that they made both of those points that not only did she find someone to fall in love with, but she also fell in love with the place. And there's a joke for people who follow uh, DC Legion stories that time is a place. Hmm. So... The 31st century is not only, you know, in our future, it's also a place that you can go to. And uh, I thought they handled all of that stuff really, really well. It's true. That's interesting that that you bring that up because, yeah, they do mention in the episode that – um, you know, she's used to, you know, Clark says that she's used to better technology. It's like, it must feel, or no, I think uh, Green Arrow was explaining yeah, this yeah. to him. Right. That, uh, you know, it, feel, it must feel like she's living in the Stone Age being here. And that she, you know, would much rather be someplace where people are more, you know, technologically advanced, you know, intellectually advanced. And now she has both. And Now she has both. That's really, really cool because I feel like she got the happy ending she deserves. <laughs> well, but, and, that, um, and that's how she and Brainiac 5 kind of bond initially is over their shared knowledge of the different technologies from the future and how sophisticated they were. So I liked that that tied into how she could she could fit and she literally could fit in with them because she understood the, that technology and that way of life and she felt more at home with them. Mm. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, final thoughts on the episode. Uh, Let's start with you, uh, Bob. Well, I love the episode. I think it was, um, it hit all the right beats. It shows Kara growing up. It shows the other Justice League members uh, giving her the true respect she deserves. It showed her coming to terms with her powers, that she has learned what is necessary. She's gotten out of that little white T-shirt. She's got a full blue. <laughs> She's, you know, looking more adult. And uh, she becomes an adult in this episode, a fully grown woman who gets yes. to make her own decisions. And 
didn't make stupid ones and didn't it wasn't just full of a bunch of teen angst and oh what am i going to do and poor me i'm just going to go out and fight all these things there was real character development here even to the point where uh superman says i'm very proud of her but don't tell her. And Green Arrow says, yeah, that's a job for Superman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I thought, yeah, God. You, they really hit all of the right beats with this episode. And uh, I think it was just a great way to send her off, so to speak. You know, because now, just in my mind, that's the beginning of another great animated show right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would the Adventures cool. of Supergirl. I wish they would have done that, yeah. Yeah, The Adventures of Supergirl in the 31st century with the Legion of Superheroes. I would be right there, <laughs> right there. Yeah, Love I would have watched that myself. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I give it full two thumbs up all the way. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is a really uh, fitting into her journey in the DC uh, animated universe. And I know Smallville tried to do something similar with the way they ended uh, Kara's uh, run on that show in season 10. But I think what Bob was hitting on was what Smallville kind of missed was that Supergirl in this animated uh, version, the, the Justice League Unlimited, she was able to make her choice about what she wanted to do in the future. I felt like on Smallville, Kara was kind of forced into her decision to put that ring on and go to the future because of Jor-El, that crazy, weird Jor-El that was yeah. on Smallville. <laughs> Smallville Jor-El that was, was weird. That was so <laughs> demanding and awful. Um, who just, that's a whole other podcast, but, (laughs) but uh, so I wish that Smallville had done something similar to where she was able to make that choice for herself. So I really like the way they did that on justice league unlimited, where she was able to make the choice that she wanted to stay there on her own. And, um, I, I just, I really like how everything tied together with her relationship to Superman, her connections to green arrow and green lantern and being able to, have her own kind of league uh, in, a, in a sense and, and being able to be that super person in the future and help them with all their adventures. So yeah, I, I like the way they ended this. I definitely agree. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's one of my favorite episodes uh, of JLU that I've watched. Um, it's really amazing to see the growth in the animated Kara. Um, and yeah, it was a perfect ending. Um, I really would love to see, you know, that, that hypothetical show that uh, you mentioned of her, her in the future. And I just want to put it out there. You know, I moved out here to L.A. to write for TV. So if Bruce Tim wants to get together, um, if DC wants to give me a job, I will be happy to write this for you. Um, and I know a lot of great writers, too, who'd be great at it. So uh, hit me up, DC. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that wraps it up. Uh, Definitely check out, if you're listening, Far From Home, if you haven't already, or rewatch it again, because we know you all love it. Um, <laughs> and now we will get to some listener feedback. Well, we got an email from Davey, who writes, quote, I really enjoyed the episode talking about the new 52 Supergirl, and have to say that she's my favorite version of the Kara Zor-El character, so far, anyway. And he goes on to say, I know you guys have split opinions on the characterization and weren't big fans of the costume, but I personally <laughs> like everything. <laughs> but I personally like everything about the costume design. So hated it. <laughs> it's it's well, from fine. the waist down. From the waist down, I hated it. Waist up, really nice. Waist yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, it, I totally respect your opinion, Davy. So everybody's <clears throat> everybody's uh, got their. 
um, own opinion on that. So it's good to hear from what you think. <laughs> and um, Davey also goes to say, regarding the world killers, they're an exclusively new 52 concept, as is the character of Simon Tycho. So that was a question that we did have um, last ah. time. So uh, that's good to know that we're not missing too much, that we're kind yeah. of caught up with uh, the world killers and Simon Tycho. Yeah. And it's good to know that they added something that we liked so much because I, yeah. I think we both kind of enjoyed, you know, we we both kind of wanted to find out more about them. Like we were intrigued enough that the like the world killers were were interesting enough villains that we were like, huh, we want to know more. And it's good to know that something like that came from something more recent that they didn't, you know, that they can actually create something new that's amazing for a change yeah, as they, opposed to. They added something to it, not just like taking all the good stuff away. They actually added something that was positive to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Davey also goes on to say, in your email section, you had somebody mention Fallen Angel. But since neither of you have heard of the series, I figured I'd clear up and clarify a few things about it. And uh, he says, although it's written by Peter David and deals with similar supernatural themes as his Supergirl run, it does not involve Linda Danvers, but rather a character called Lee. So that's Mm. good to know. And he also says it was initially believed that Lee may have been Linda Danvers under a different name, but such was later shown not to be the case. So Mm. that clears up a little bit on the uh, secret identity there. Linda Lee, if I can jump in just for a second. Sure, yeah, go for it. Uh, In the Silver Age, when when Kara first came to Earth, Superman didn't take her to the Danvers. He took her to an orphanage. right. Okay, and Midvale. Yep. Midvale Orphanage. And her secret identity, she put on a wig with long pigtails, and her name was Linda Lee. She became Danvers when the Danvers adopted her from that orphanage. So all during the first four or five probably years of her existence, her name, secret identity was Linda Lee. And if you'll so. remember the Supergirl, the movie, she also goes by Linda Lee in that as well. Exactly. Um, and there's a Midvale connection in that movie. Yes. yes. And uh, Davey also says, after the series moved from DC to IDW, Peter introduced a character called Lynn, whom, by his own admission, is meant to have been the Linda Danvers Supergirl character, although he, for contractual and legal reasons, could not actually confirm or identify her as such within the pages of the comic itself. Ah, so that's why it had to be Lynn and not even Linda, probably, because (laughs) it's like we don't want it to be even too close. Interesting. Well, thank you so much, uh, Davey, for for giving us all that info. Because as you know, we always say we love to uh, learn more about the character and, and learn more about what's out there. So thanks so much, and also thank you, Bob, for joining us. Um, we, you know, it's been a great conversation. Oh, my pleasure. I've had a blast. I and, love um, your show, by the way. I haven't told you that yet, but what oh. you two are doing is just. Terrific. I love the concept. I love everything about it. And it just getting me even more excited about this TV show. I love the fact that one of you knows something, Supergirl, and the other is learning as you go along. I, mm-hmm. It's just a great, great concept you guys have here. And I'm, I'm hooked. I'm in for the long haul to Supergirl <laughs> Radio. Well, awesome. Thanks for listening and um, being a guest with us. And I, I have to say personally that I enjoy Superman Forever Radio because you do these. Uh, I've listened to some of your uh, like spotlight episodes and the characters. I, I definitely had to download the Lois Lane one. Oh, um, God. So I, I, I definitely encourage uh, our listeners to check out Superman Forever Radio because it's a great podcast about Superman and all things within the Superman family. Well, thank you. You're sweet. Yeah. Is- and that. 
uh, I was going to say, tell us, Bob, how we can, uh, you know, where we can find Superman Forever Radio. Well, easiest way is supermanforever.com. That's the website. But I'm also on Facebook. You can find me just under Bob Fisher. Or we also do have a Superman Forever podcast page on Facebook. Um, <clears throat> but if you're an iTunes subscriber, that's the easiest way. Subscribe. And then uh, every couple of weeks, you'll get a new episode of the the Superman Forever radio podcast. I just basically grab a little hunk of Superman every week and just talk about it. It's it's usually not very scripted. It's just something that I like about the character. So I'll talk about Lois or Jimmy or Perry or Kryptonite and the many forms of it or, you know, just whatever I feel like talking about because I love the character and his whole family. So that's really all I do is try to show that it, you know, it's kind of a celebration of the character himself. So that's really all. Just having some fun talking Superman. That's awesome. Well, there's a lot of ground to cover. So <laughs> yeah. you have a lot Definitely. of lot of content that you can pull from. Yeah. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we're also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you got some time, uh, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, and the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow, subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV podcasts on Facebook. And as for me, you can always find me at the Mary Sue. Um, that's themarysue.com. Uh, me personally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Teresa Gisino. Uh On Facebook, uh, you can find me at facebook.com slash Teresa Gisino Experience, which is also the name of my blog, if you want to Google that. And I'm on Patreon. I have a Patreon page, and I do a lot of writing and other sorted things. Uh, <laughs> all sorts of stuff that I want you to give me money for. Um, no, mostly writing. And uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash Teresa Giacino. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash DuckMilkProd. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And until next time, I'm still Teresa Giacino. And I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And just because someone is seriously cute... Doesn't mean you can trust a brainiac. <laughs>